Happy Father's Day, men. You know, I love dads, and we have so much responsibility as the fathers. When you look at the Bible, when you observe some of the Old Testament, you realize that a lot of times God had a familial relationship with the men. And that doesn't mean he didn't have it with the women, but from what I've read in the Old Testament scriptures, our Heavenly Father had a strong relationship with men. And there's a reason for that. He wanted to give us everything he could so that we would be victorious in this life. And we all have much to do. What I see in this nation, if not the world, is chaos. Is God a God of chaos? So what's going on? In my low opinion, as I see it, the truth isn't getting out there anymore. And that leaves people, what does that passage say? Without vision, my people will perish. What is it talking about? This. If people don't know what the Word of God says, if they don't know what the truth is, this is what you see. Anything goes. And men, we have been given the, the privilege and responsibility of making sure that people hear the truth, understand the truth, especially our own families. Can I get a good amen from you, you guys? So today, I wanted to begin with this. And I've titled it, A Leap of Faith or A Faith That Leaps. And I don't know if... if I was going to go with a guy, and I saw this, and I went, oh, I like iguanas. That dude, he's got some faith, all right? Maybe not the kind I'm talking about today. So what's the difference between a, a leap of faith or a faith that leaps. You know, perhaps it's just a play on words. But as I see it, a leap of faith is a risky faith where one hopes for the best but isn't truly certain of the outcome. Does that make sense? But a faith that leaps is a, a faith that causes one to leap. It's a faith that fully trusts in Almighty God and that person places the outcome in His mighty hands. You don't have to worry about it because you know God's got it. God's got this. And I think more of us need to have that attitude that it doesn't matter if, if I'm in tune with Him, if I'm serving Him, if I'm loving Him, and I'm loving my family, and I'm worshiping God with all my heart, mind, soul, and body, it doesn't matter what's going to come next because he's got this. Now you've got to understand that in the Bible, a lot of the, the people that we read about, they were in good places. Some of them, in fact, were in very difficult places, and we're going to look at some of them today. But I just wanted to start out by saying this. Church... Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're insulated from all harm. 
or trials or tribulations. In fact, you should see that in your life if you're serving Him. Because when we represent the light, it shines on the darkness. It exposes the darkness. And people look at us and they go, hey, I don't like you. They don't always know why, but they just know something inside of them saying, I don't like you. Why? Because we're convicting them. And as we're going to see here in just a minute, we're actually condemning them in their sin. Well, who's going to like somebody that's condemning them in their sin? Nobody. But the idea is that when they feel that way, it draws them in rather than repels them. That they come to you and they say, hey, what, what is it that you have that I don't? Because I like what I see. What kind of faith do you live by? Would you bow your heads and hearts just for a moment? Father, as we uh, come together today as a family of believers, Lord, I pray that you would just anoint each one, each heart here today. Help us to receive from you. Lord, help this man, this pastor, apply the message. And Lord, I pray that we would take it with us everywhere we go this week. Grow our faith today, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps... No other book in the Bible expresses the idea of faith better than the book of Hebrews. Though we don't know the author, the person that wrote Hebrews, we do know that it was written as a type of sermon. It was actually and most likely preached at uh, a local house church or something like that in the first century. We know that it has pastoral content. And it was intended to help the early church navigate their faith through all of the different obstacles that they were facing. Do I have to tell you that in the first century, Christians weren't liked? You remember when uh, Rome burned? Who'd they blame? Christians. They had nothing to do with it, by the way. But they blamed them anyway because they were an easy mark. Hey, you know what? I think we see that a little bit today. We aren't being dipped in tar yet and, and lit on fire and hung on posts. But that could be right around the corner. Something that I believe the modern church is going to see is coming right at us. And listen to me, you better be ready. Because if you have a weak faith, when this stuff erupts, <laughs> you're going to be running with your tail between your legs. But as that song that we sang earlier said, we've got the power over the devil. We don't have to fear him. What can man do to us? The only one we should be concerned with is God Almighty. What can He do to you? So the NLT, it has the word faith 34 times in the book of Hebrews. 
28 of those are in chapter 11. Thank you. We have some Bible scholars in here. By the way, the word believe and faith both come from the same Greek word, so it can be translated either believe or faith. I call Hebrews 11 the faith chapter for obvious reasons. But did you know that the whole book is really a book of eschatology? There's a word for you. Say that three times fast. Go ahead, I dare you. <laughs> Good job. And what is eschatology? It is the theology of death, right? And what's coming after death. What happens to our spirit? It's also the theology of Jesus coming back. He left, right? Where'd we read that? Acts chapter 1? He left, he went to heaven, but the angels said, he's coming back. And the book of Hebrews talks about this in detail. Eschatology, the eschaton. How many are excited that Jesus isn't going to leave us here? So we're going to get into some of this. There are over a hundred places that speak to the idea of eschatology in the book of Romans or Hebrews. For example, and I want to start with this because it's actually a, a quote from Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and it talks about this eschaton thing, all right? By the way, I wanted to say this real quick, and I'm throwing a lot into the front end of this just so that you understand some things about what we're reading. And how many knew that in the Greek language, the original language that's, that we're translating from, how many know that there are no periods or chapter breaks? It's just a continuous on and on and on and on. So, why are they there? So we can find it, to make it easier on the modern readers. The, here's the problem. Sometimes they put a period where there shouldn't be one. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're like, oh, they're stopped here. That thought ended, but actually it continues. Or sometimes they put a chapter ending before they should. And here is one place where this is true. Hebrews 10, 37 and 38. Let me read this. I've got it up behind me if you want to read it there. For in just a little while, the coming one, who is that? Eschaton. Say eschaton with me. That's what it's talking about. The coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones, look at your neighbor and say, you should be righteous. My righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Now this is a direct quote from Habakkuk 2, 3 and 4. The next verse, the final verse in chapter 10 says, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So it starts out with, you have to live by faith. Jesus is coming back, 
And you have to believe that by faith. There's no other way to know it but by faith. All right? So you still with me? What this means for you and me is that to be righteous, we must be people who exercise their faith. I'm exercising right now in my mind. I'm exercising, I'm exercising, I'm exercising. What am I exercising? My mouth. But that's the only thing I'm exercising. What do we need to do if we're going to exercise? Activity. Right? So when we exercise our faith, it isn't enough just to say, I have faith. You have to exercise that faith. You have to believe in your heart that that thing is really going to come to pass. So here's the question. Which are you? Faithful or one that turns away from God to your own destruction? Which one are you? I hope so. I hope every person in this room has given their heart and life to, to Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, Good news, at the end of this message, you'll be given that opportunity. With that foundation, I want to begin reading with Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2. Faith is, say it with me, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Huh. I like that. Can you see faith? No. Can you touch faith? No. Can you feel faith? No. Faith is intangible, meaning that it can't be touched or grasped. And yet, and yet, through their faith, the people of old and the people of new had a good reputation, meaning they were commended for it, they were famous for it, the Amplified Bible says. Mary, are you famous for your faith? Depends on who you ask. I like that. There's a possibility anyway. Everybody that knows you knows you're a woman of faith. Praise God. Right? You know her for that, don't you? Yeah. Jesse's like, yeah, yeah. what do you think I'm going to say? You're pointing a finger at me, man. I'm going with it. You ever met Mary behind the scenes? No, I'm just messing, just, just messing, Mary. So here's a question. How many of you live your life by faith and are famous as a result? Does your family know that you're a person of faith? Listen, a lot of times when we become Christians, our families step away because they don't understand what happened to us. And I might have family watching this today, and and I love you guys, but I want you to understand this. Hopefully, if they have a need, a true need, a spiritual need, what's going to come to their mind? call you. Why? Because you're known for your faith. 
You're famous. That's the kind of image people should have of us and toward us. And that's what this is talking about here. Moving right along, Hebrews 11.3, it says this, By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Have you read that before? I don't know about you, but this kind of messes with some of our uh, uh, scientific thought today. Let me just throw this out. God created the entire universe. Where do we find that? It's right there. Genesis 1. Go back and read it. In the beginning, God created everything. When you take away from that, what are you saying? When you try to attribute everything, the beauty that's around us, and it, everything I look at is more complex and detailed. The deeper you go, the more complex and detailed it gets. Not the less. What does that tell us? There is no way that what's around us came from chance and evolved. This is one of my, my pressure points, and I'm just admitting it. If I have a human fleshy side, it's with this topic. And it drives me bananas when I see billions of years ago, the peacock decided it was going to fluff its feathers and just be beautiful. I'm not trying to make fun of people. I'm just saying they make fun of themselves by implying that what we have in this universe happened by chance. No way. And if that is the case, if everything evolved, why did evolution stop? Why don't we see anything? And, and listen, I know they try to, they, they, they find little things where macroevolution is happening and they go, oh, look at this. See? Evolution. No! It's within its kind. It doesn't change. There are mutations and they don't get better, they get worse. Ooh, this is a spitting sermon today. Good thing you're back a seat. That's why you're not sitting in the front. I got you. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Listen, when we look at the human anatomy and how amazingly complex and beautiful it is, He created us in His image. He created the universe for us. Enjoy it. It's a gift. Don't give credit to somebody else or something else. Because when you do that, you take away from this. When you take away from the very first chapter, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When you take that away, you just said, this book can't be trusted. All right, I'm done.
Sorry, Lord. Hebrews 11.4, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. How important is faith? He was, these were the first two Boys. How long ago was that? Long time ago. And yet we're still reading about Abel. Why? Because he exercised his faith. And God accepted his offering as a result. Hallelujah. I think that's pretty good news. Abel's faith was the evidence that this man was righteous. What does that tell me? It says, Norm, if you're a righteous man, you better have what? Faith. Listen, I I really... (laughs) I was going to go somewhere else this Sunday, and I say that a lot, but this Sunday was really rough. Putting this message together was really rough, and I wasn't sure... And I I prayed yesterday because I had another message. Done. And I prayed just before we ate dinner last night. I prayed, Lord, just confirm that I'm going the right direction with this Hebrews 11 thing. And you remember what I started with? The leap of faith thing? We're watching this HGTV thing, and this lady's talking about this uh, uh, cottage that they had redone. And she goes, we took a leap of faith. And I had just prayed, Lord, just confirm, which way am I supposed to go? By the way, the other one was called Thor, for all you men. (laughs) That's why I was heading that way, because it would have been a manly kind of... But this is what God wanted you men to hear today. And me as well. I'm... I've always said this, I'm the first one to get my message. God delivers it to me first so that I can receive it before you ever get hold of it. Hallelujah. Abel must have had exemplary faith, according to one source. Does your faith give evidence that you are a righteous man or woman? Ask yourself that. Hebrews 11.5, and if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going verse by verse. We aren't going to make it through the whole thing. Just, yeah. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Huh. I've always liked Enoch. I I always wanted to be like Enoch. Where'd Norm go? (laughs) Well, we think God took him. (laughs) 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 We think God took him because he pleased the Lord. How did he please the Lord? 
You could stop right here at verse 5, but the very next verse tells us, and it is, say it, impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This isn't here by chance. This doesn't follow Enoch's story just by chance. This is how he pleased God. Enoch had faith. And that's what pleased God. I talked, uh, was it last week? No, two weeks ago, I talked about putting a smile on the face of the Lord. You want to please God? Exercise your faith. It's his gift to you. That's what separates you and me from the world. If you believe God is the great I am, then there's nothing he won't do for you. As long as it lines up with his word. Just add that little part. Lord, I want a Skeeter Bass boat. About 70 grand. Well, what you want and what you're going to get, Norm, are two different things. Maybe in heaven, if the Lord wants me to have So what did Enoch do to please God? He had faith. He believed God. Do you have the kind of faith that pleases God? Verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat. I'm going to put somebody on the spot here. Yeah, you. Uh Uh-huh, I'm looking right at you. How long was that boat? You were in it. Was it 400, 450 feet? Something like that by 50? It was, he went to the ark down in the Cincinnati area. And uh, it's in Kentucky, I know that, but it's across the border, and it's a tiny little burg about this big. It's just south of Cincinnati. Everybody knows where that is, or most. But Greg went there with his family, and, and were you impressed? It was pretty cool, wasn't it, to see how the animals were fed, how they lived for six months on the ark, and yada, 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 yada. It's a great place to go and visit, but you better be ready because it's busy. Thank God, though. People really want to learn about this stuff. This man built an ark. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Can you imagine? There never rained. The earth, up to that point, it watered, it, watered from the ground up. It was like a, 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 a mist, if you will. And this man said, Repent of your sins and turn to God or you will be judged. You know what the people did? You guys are a bunch of idiots. You're a bunch of fools. Oh, that God, he's quite the crutch for you, isn't he? Know what I'm saying? I'm sure they even threw a few expletives his way. Why? I started with this. He condemned them of their sins. 
by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. And he received the righteousness that comes by faith. There's so much going on in that verse right there. When people see God moving in our lives through our faith, it condemns them if they're living in sin. Does that make people happy? We already had this discussion. No. You might even be persecuted for your faith. You might have to go through trials. You might lose your job for being a Christian. It's happening today. Count it all joy if you're persecuted for his name's sake. You're going to receive a rich reward someday. Noah, rich reward. Rich reward. Hallelujah. For 200 years, he worked on that boat. That's a long time to be mocked and jeered. And let me say this, men, while he was building this boat, his boys watched him. Did he ever give up? Not that we know of. His boys caught his faith. What were their names? Shem, Ham. Thought it was Seth. The boys learn from Dad. Do you have rock solid faith in God, and does that faith condemn the world, or does it approve it? should have asked that before I went to the next slide. Hebrews 11.8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Has anybody else done that? Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. Obedience is an act of faith. When God calls you to do something, you do it. You don't second guess them, you just do it. In 1987, and if you've been here any length of time, you've heard this, my wife Barb and I were in a service and we felt like the Lord said, we want you to, I want you to, to go into full-time ministry, meaning, you know, some kind of pastoral missionary type thing. We're in. We took a leap of faith. I didn't know what was coming. I had no idea what it meant. But we knew that if God called us, we were going to do it. 1988, we did just exactly what we said we would do. And we left all the comforts of home. We, 
We didn't have a golden parachute to back us up if we missed it, if we made a mistake. I worked at General Motors for almost 12 years. When I signed, the day I resigned from there, when I signed that paperwork, it said I could never work for them again. The bridge was blown up to that great income that I had and the health benefits and all that. There was no going back. It was a leap of faith. And when we got to beautiful Springfield, Missouri, where we planted our family for the next few years, the first thing I discovered was that I thought everybody made 25 bucks an hour back in the 80s. I found out Springfield minimum wage was pretty much the average. Five fifty an hour. You felt blessed. Woohoo! I'm thankful I burned that bridge that it got blown up because I would have been running home probably. Okay, I made a mistake. Take me back. Too late. Do you think Abraham felt that way at all? Taking a leap of faith requires that you trust fully in God. That He has your back. And no matter what, you're going to be better for it. And even when He reached the land, God promised Him. He lived there by faith. That's kind of weird. For He was like a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Hmm. I think that's pretty cool. God brought us to Gaylord, eventually. But even here, we realize that this isn't our permanent place. And I don't mean we're going to go to some other city. I don't, I'm, I'm talking about what's next, the eschaton, heaven. And what I, what I fear is happening too much so in the church today is we have anchored ourselves to this life to the point where I hear people, that they're afraid to go to the next whatever God's got. Like it's going to be less than what we have here. This life is a flash in the pan. And our eyes should be on heaven. The rewards God has for His people one day. And while we're here, we need to be living our lives by faith. There's one other, something else that happened here. And, and I had never caught this before. But maybe because it's Father's Day. Isaac and Jacob inherited the same promise. Who's Isaac and Jacob? Abraham's boys. Do you see what's happening here? They caught this from dad. Men, our kids catch our faith. 
It's contagious. And the opposite is also true. A lack of faith is equally caught. And I'm, I'm not here to be any dads up here. But I am saying it's never too late to repent if that's you. And still your faith in your kids and in your grandkids. It's our duty. It's our responsibility as men of God. Your children inherit your faith. And my question is, dads, are you modeling that life of faith for your kids, for your grandkids? First time I went out fishing this year, it, it happened to be, in, it was in May, and it happened to be an 87 degree day. Remember that one day? <laughs> and my, my son Joe and his family came up, and, and my, my grandson Grant, who was 10, he wanted to go fishing, so I said, let's go. And of course I had to drive, I couldn't just stick around here, I had to drive an hour and a half away so you get to the good lake. And don't be trying to figure out what lake it was from the miles, all right, or the timing. I see you guys doing that plot around. Hmm. It might have been a little less. Just saying. So I get out there in my beautiful 16-foot low, and we get all the way to the end. And by the way, the launch is on the south end. We're on the north end now. And my batteries poop out on my electric motor. My big gas motor, the starter wasn't engaging. My little kicker that always comes in in that pinch. Ah. Thank God for paddles. 16 foot low going into the wind, 20 miles an hour. It was coming straight off the launch. And I've got my grandson in the boat. And by the way, he caught the only fish. I let him catch the... No, he caught the only fish. A two-and-a-half-pound largemouth. And here I am. It, it was not easy. Why did I bring this up? The old Norman? My grandson would not have seen what he saw that day. I prayed. I kept my cool. And I paddled. And, and I was thinking, i got to be a good example. <laughs> what kind of example are you for your men, for your boys? for your grandkids. They need to see a man of faith. All right? Oh, gosh. Spare me one last one here, just so I can get through this part. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. That's kind of where I was going from the start. Eschaton. God has way more than you could ever imagine or perceive in store for those who love him. 
way more. A new city with eternal foundations. We should be looking at the vacation brochures for heaven. So that we know what we're going to be in for. What we're going to be rewarded with. How beautiful it is. We should have an understanding of that before we get there. Just like we do when we go on vacation. If you're blessed enough, fortunate enough to do that. There is a new city in heaven, a new Jerusalem, where you and I will live with God forever and ever and ever. Then we will be able to enter that final rest that the Lord has talked about in the Word of God. But until then, we all must live by faith. As I begin to close, faith required. As a Christian, you can't even get to first base without faith. I'm going to prove that here in just a minute. You must believe God exists. Your faith is evidence of your righteousness. These are some of the things we just learned. Your faith pins you to heaven. And the fact that Jesus is coming soon for his church. We should not be pinned, however, to this world. This world should have no effect on us that's long-lasting. Your faith pleases God. Obedience is an act of faith. Finally, your children inherit your faith. John 3.16, I'm closing with this. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So we see first of all that in order to be saved you must believe. You must have faith. The next verse, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Jesus said this. You think he knew what he was talking about? It takes faith to believe. Would you stand? Let the blood flow to your feet. Father, you, I know you love us. That first scripture I started with said, you don't wish for any to perish. You want all men to be saved. You want all men, all women, boys and girls to come to you by faith. And I just want to begin today 
by giving you that opportunity. If you're here today and, and you'd say, Pastor Norm, I, I, I don't think I've ever really believed in God's Son, Jesus. I don't know if I've ever taken that step, but I want to do that today. If that's you, without anybody looking around, just lift your hand up so I can see it. Anybody here at all, you need salvation. You know it. You're not ready to go. If God were to call you home today, you don't know where you'd go. There are two places, heaven or hell. You're going to one of them. And that's determined by your faith. You place it in Jesus, you're saved. If you don't, as this scripture right here says, by not believing, you are condemned. Anybody? All right. Let me ask you this. Men, I don't know how you feel about your life. And I know I've had hits and misses in mind. And I ask God today, Lord, forgive me for the misses. I know I wasn't always the perfect dad. In fact, I know I've blown it. But if you're here today and you be honest, you say, Pastor Norm, I want to begin living my life by faith today. I want to be that man. And maybe you don't even, you're not even married. Maybe you don't even have kids yet. But you want to be that man one day. I want you to lift your hand up as well so the Holy Spirit can see it. Others, others, hands going up. I lift mine up. I tell you what, I want my life to represent more than just Norm. I want it to represent God. So again, if that's you, if you need this prayer today, just lift your hand up. You want to be a a faith example for your kids, grandkids, maybe your neighbors. That's not impossible. And women, ladies, you know you are included in this. God uses you ladies like I've never seen. Some of you are like little mother hens with chicks following you everywhere you go because of your faith. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. And men, those of you who are living by faith, keep it up. And if you're at home today and you'd say, Pastor Norm, I don't know if I'm ready. But I want to be. Will you pray with me? And I want to do that with you first and then we'll release everybody here. So if this is you and you mean business with God today and you're ready for that change in your life, Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins and make me that new person. I give you all that I am and all that I have and I place it in your hands today. Use me, Lord, to your glory. Give me the faith that I need not just to believe in you, but to have mighty signs and wonders following. I dedicate my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant business, I believe the angels in heaven are rejoicing with you just as we are. God bless you for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dwell on this this week. We're going to talk about this again next Sunday. So if you don't come back, I'm going to know how I did, how he did.
Love you all. Father, keep everybody safe in their coming and in their going. Bless our dads richly today. And Lord, those who have lost loved ones, their dads that have gone on before them, Lord, just fill that void as only you can. Keep us safe in our coming and in our going. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.